This should be, but I was hanging out with Seth on Friday night, and so, <laughs> zing, he, he's not here. Uh, but yeah, this, a lot of this talk is about me, uh, and so if you're, just be ready for that. Uh, you can go to the first slide there, though. Oh, yeah, this is the next slide. Yeah, I make awful slides. No, yeah, sorry, like the, the next, 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 yeah, there we go, the first picture. This is my family. Uh, this is who we are. I've got six kids, somehow. Uh, I have a wife, and uh, that's, that's who we are. This, I'm going to have to burn through this just for the sake of you guys. This family started, obviously, with Janine and I. We got married in 20-something. I don't know what it was. I think it was 2005. Good. Five, which would make this our 14th soon. Oh, man. This, it's just not us. In our relationship, that doesn't matter. I actually, I drove to Quenelle Friday night. I was supposed to have a camp out with the elders from my church, um, and then they all bailed on me last minute. So it was like an elders retreat, and they, all of them bailed. I was so mad that I texted Seth, and I was like, you up? He said, yes. And so I drove to Quenelle at like 1130. I got there at about one in the morning, and then uh, I slept out in his new fancy camper thing that he made. But I forgot to tell my wife. <laughs> so the next morning, uh, Seth was like, does Janine know you're here? And I was like, she does not know that I'm in Quenelle right now. So we video called her. She was like, are you in Quenelle? But yeah, that's why we're, she's great. She doesn't care. She treats me like an adult. Is that good enough to say? That's good enough to say. I just don't act like it. Uh, this, this family, we had big plans. We knew how our family was going to be. Janine and I knew that we were going to wait three to five years. They were going to start to try. And they were going to have one perfect child and another perfect child. Maybe a third perfect child. Debate about a third or fourth perfect child. And then we were done. That was it. That was the perfect plan. So our family started from this idea of we know best and we have the plan. What we hit immediately was infertility. Holy moly, does infertility suck? And is it just not really dealt with in public? It's a very taboo thing. Because um, all, all of a sudden it's this thing of like unmet expectation. We want a family, but now the two of us are unable to create that family. Man, that sucks. Like years of it. Uh, hormone therapies, which is always a good time, right? Like, and that was me. No, seriously, it was her. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's awful. It's tough. It's rough. Uh, we realized that we were having, it had been years we were trying to have our own kids, it wasn't happening. So we, we talked about it and we agreed, we will not foster. We talked about that and we said, it's too tough to take in someone's kid and then to have some organization say, uh, we got to take your kid away, they got to go back to some other home or some other thing. So we were like, no, that's too tough. So uh, Janine on Facebook saw a friend of hers <laughs> had posted, uh, her nursing supervisor had said, there's a three-month-old baby in hospital <coughs> and he needs uh, foster parents. Janine said, we had talked about it, we had said no to fostering. Janine says, should we tell them we're interested? I was like, yeah, nothing else is working, let's tell them we're interested. Three, week, three weeks later, or 10 days later, wasn't it? It was quick. Two weeks? Good, in between. Uh, two weeks later, we had our kid, Tony. So we had agreed, no fostering, and there we were fostering. As we fostered, we started to realize <coughs> that young Tony, something was not, something was not the way that it should be. Uh, he was missing markers. He was missing kind of the stages of life, like he's not sitting up, he's not rolling over. He's, some, something's not right here. Quickly realized he had cerebral palsy. And then as we're kind of going through infertility and that, we uh, all of a sudden, we get a phone call, literally a phone call, ring, ring, hello, yes, uh, this is the Ministry of Children and Family, uh, Tony's sister has been born. So we, all of a sudden, now we're, we have two kids. <laughs> so we have Shayla and we have Tony, and we're just kind of blown away by them. Uh, and then we're trying to get into an adoption thing. 
all along doing fertility treatments, frustration, hormone roller coaster. We get pregnant with triplets. We do a shave my head, raise money, get pregnant with triplets, immediately lose one. Um, <coughs> down to twins. So we have twins, super excited, still kind of reeling from the loss, infertility, all these kind of taboo things of infertility and the loss of an unborn child. This stuff is tough. It is not often talked about. But this is a community that wants to talk to you about it. If you're here and that's like something that you're carrying and something you bring in, bring it to these people. Timbers is the right kind of people. And so this is us. We've continued to foster. And actually a couple of weeks ago, we were able to adopt Lily and Keegan. And so Tony is in the chair looking very excited. Uh, Tyler and Cooper are our twins. Uh, Cooper is copper colored. Tyler is regular. He's the striped guy. Uh, Shayla is back there with the glasses. And then Lily and Keegan are like full brother and sister. We just got to adopt them. Uh, and they're, I'm holding the one, and then the other one looks like she's squeezing out a fart or something. I don't know what she's doing there, but... Yeah. We, we often hear this lie. And this lie is, it's so beautiful what you, guys, what you guys are doing. I could never do what you're doing. It's so incredible. Like, there's this hilarious romantic idea that, like, Janine and I have, have gone out of our way to choose to be, like, infertile, broken people who would want to lose a child right? And people tell us, oh, we could never do what you could do. That's because you're not doing it. <laughs> like, you can. You're just born and raised in Canada, and you think your limits are really, you're, we're all about us. You can do what we have done, and I think even greater things. And our situation has been pretty easy in the foster systems, in the foster system. We get told this thing, but we know that the background of this, the building of this, has been really, really, really hard and really, really, really tough. Our story is not how we planned it. This is not intentional. We did not want this. If you asked us when we first got married, do you want this? We would say, no, that looks awful and hard, right? So I want you to hear this over and over. Although this sermon is very narcissistic, this sermon should also hear it's nothing that I have planned to do. It's not because I've like goal set for myself and been like, yeah, goal spank. Uh, I'm going to just take eight years to have a kid. No, that's not the way that went. As we went along, we were left with more questions and answers, and we were not getting what we wanted. And I'm going to kind of draw the, a bridge, or kind of build a bridge between my family's experience and your experience here in this church. So if we look at this first piece of scripture here, it's Galatians 4, 5 to 7. Nice, good job, Caleb. God sent him to buy freedom for us who are slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God made you his heir. This comes alive to me now that my family is where it is. As we watch the birth and the growth of the church in the New Testament, we read over and over and over that Christ followers call other Christ followers. So I would call you, hey, brother, hey, sister. That's what they do. And it's kind of a funny thing. If we refer to each other as siblings of God, there's an interesting idea of like this idea of adoption. Kids are not adopted because of how great they are. Right? Kids are not, I always forget it's kind of this kind of church. I'm like, who keeps talking? Uh, <laughs> kids are not adopted. I'm a good Baptist. Security. Kids are not adopted because of how great they are or because, their love, because of their love for their parents. Shayla and Tony, we did not adopt you guys because you approached me <coughs> and said, hey, I love you so much. Do you want to adopt me? It didn't happen that way, Tony and Shayla. It happened because your mom and dad said, we want to love you. 
They're adopted because someone who didn't have to love them chose to love them. Are you seeing the bridge being built here? Are you seeing it? Because to me it's pretty obvious, but I'm also crying, so everything's kind of fuzzy right now. (laughs) This is the same with us. Our salvation is not because we are great, but because through Jesus and only Jesus did God make a way to be called sons and daughters. God could have called us back into right relationship in any way he wanted to. He is God. This always kind of blows my mind that God approaches us as individuals. God doesn't approach us and say, tell you what, you guys get your poop in a group, you gather at least a million people, you guys build this thing, you burn this thing, you pay for this thing, and then and only then can you approach me, the living God. God chose the root of salvation, and God chose the root of right relationship with him, and he chose it for you as an individual to him, the living God as an individual. Wow, could have been any way. And, and that we aren't, don't approach him as slaves in fear and in trembling like a slave. We approach him as heirs, like shared heirs. So for like Tony and Shay, when I die, you get all my debt. That's what that means. <laughs> this word adoption we read here is, it's a Greek word, so I'm barely going to try. Huyasthia. That's, I looked it up on YouTube this morning. It was embarrassing. Which means the placing of an adult son. That's what that word adoption is. Using this word would remind people of the time of remind people of the time of the ceremony of toga virilis, where they would hold a ceremony where the men in the life of a 14-year-old kid would remove that child's toga and put on him a man's toga. So that's the idea of adoption here. It's removing the child's toga and putting on an adult toga, like the manhood ceremony. And when you put on this man's toga, instilling and showing that he now had full rights to voting owning a business, owning land, marriage at 14, what a time to be alive. Moving out of childhood meant moving out of the laws that controlled you as a child. It's the same word being used here, and into the freedoms of being an adult. This idea of adoption comes with authority and instilling rights to us that we did not have before becoming adopted children. As I read in a commentary, we have been placed with the privilege, the liberty, and the duty of full-grown adults in God's kingdom. And there definitely is scripture that says, like, hey, you're like a newborn baby. You're on, you're on like, milk, and we want to work you up to solid foods. There definitely is that idea of child. But this instance is saying, when you're adopted, you're, it's not like, and you're a little baby kid. With like, and it's like, no, you are adopted, and you are placed with these rights and these authorities and these freedoms. It's kind of wild. We read it in the uh, same word in Romans 8.15. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba. Abba is a weird word to translate. It's a hard word to translate. It's like the intimacy and depth of the relationship with a father. Right? It's not just like, it's not like Abba, like position, father. But it's like this intimate relationship that we cry, Abba, father, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. Not the trembling servant's relationship, but affectionate, confident love. Confident love. Without this adoption, we have no claim to God. As servants, we are offered this claim. As servants of the living God, we're offered this claim to be called sons of God sons and daughters of God. Adoption is the heart of the gospel. Like adoption, it's there. See, in this new family, uh, the father is the head, Christ submits to him, and we submit and act as the church, Christ's body here on earth. 
Now take a look at my kids. So this is just my kids. This next one should be. That's, that's just the kids. And again, it, I look at them and I think, what a beautiful crew. Sometimes I forget that my kids are not my own flesh and blood, especially when Shayla's really having the sass with me, like giving me the, giving me the gears, like this morning. Uh, and I kind of forget because that, that, that relationship we have is so deep. Now in this new family, we have siblings. This is a beautiful picture. Everything there looks the way it should. They all kind of look the same. It's weird, eh? But these people are complete strangers to one another. Like, let that fully settle in. Who are these people to one another? Complete and absolute strangers to one another. They do not know each other. If you remove Janine and I's influence or impact or anything from us, these are complete strangers. Like, when you sit down at a Cougars game, when you ride a bus, when you're on the Sky Train, when you're on a plane, they have that, that is the exact relationship that they have to one another without their parents' love for them. It's weird. See, they don't have a choice as to who they're connected to now. There are three sets of kids here, right? Tony and Shayla have the same mom. Uh, Cooper and Tyler have the same mom and dad. And then Lily and Keegan have the same mom and the same dad. There are three moms, four dads involved here. They're Icelandic, Kwantlen First Nations, Scottish, German. The list goes on and on. Believe it or not, try, try to figure out who has their... Um, their status card in that group, because two, two of them do, even though they look like they all work for a Swiss chocolate factory. <laughs> so the only thing that makes them a family, that gives them the bond that is stronger to anyone else in their lives is that, the, their parents' love and pursuit of them. They come from different places, lives, background, blood, reputations, but none of that matters. Are you seeing the bridge? <laughs> like, are you looking around? Uh, this next piece of scripture says this, Galatians 3.28, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. They are so different from, from each other, so different from one, one another. This is us. This is you. And beyond just the you, this reaches into something so much greater. When we find salvation through Jesus' death and resurrection, which defeats sin, which defeats death, when we love God more than we love our sin and the world around us, when we realize that there is a treasure worth, worth losing everything for, we become part of this new family. So I would argue and say, hey, some of you guys are here. You're knowledgeable of the family, but you're not in the family yet. Have you made yourself right with the living God through his son who was buried and died, buried and resurrected, defeating sin and death? That, that's like step one to joining the family. We don't get a say in who our brothers and sisters are now, though, which is not always good. Much like my kids, uh, we are gifted these new relationships to one another with strangers we're, where we become stronger than any other relationships in our lives. That's the, 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 the goal and the idea that Christ paints and that God is pushing on to you guys is that you should have your strongest relationship should be here, should be between you guys as brothers and sisters. It's not a very North American idea. Brothers and sisters, losing our old identities, being held accountable to walk rightly, finding hope, help, and grace together. Where my kids come from is a tough spot. Some of them have last names that are kind of well-known in the town. Some of them, like, they own, their, their, their families have, like, reputation. But now, they are Hortons. They own that last name. That is who you are, kiddo. You are a Horton. And yes, you came, you come from this place, 
But now you are this. You are a Horton. Poor kids. <laughs> if only it was like the Tim Horton. See, we'd like to think that we really bring something to the family, uh, but you don't. You're a hot mess. If you are so convinced that you, you I'm going to go to this church and I'm really going to bring something great. Get over yourself. <laughs> like, like uh, Isaiah talks about the, the best thing that we have to bring our best righteousness is filthy rags. And it's like a gross kind of rag. Not like, oh, like, I'll just clean this window. Like, we're not going to talk about it anymore because my daughter's in the room. We should show to talk to her about it at some point. Let's just put that out there. You want to put up this first picture here? Oh, this next picture. This is my man. This is Tony. This is the dude. I'm surprised he's still awake. He usually falls asleep in sermons. Uh, go to the next picture. And this is a picture that Janine found at a pharmacy, like a variety children's thing. They gave us, we applied for something. They gave us some money for something. So he's actually like, he's in a bunch of pharmacies all around BC right now. World famous, Tony. World famous. Let the, let the visual of my son Tony's brokenness show you something today. My kid is the bomb diggity, but there is an injury. So right now we're looking at an injury, not my kid, because that injury is separate from my child. My child is not an injury. My child is my child. He is Tony, and his identity isn't based in his injury, because this is kind of a messy one. You could be like, this is really insensitive, Dave. Truth. What we bring is brokenness. Tony's brokenness was one of the greatest fears in my life. When Janine and I were planning out our kids, I was actually, at one point, I remember thinking to myself, what, like, what happens if you have a special needs kid? Like, if we have our own kid, this idea of, like, when you have a kid, it's a, like a born into commitment. That is your kid forever. And it was actually a huge fear, like anxiety, like not in my stomach fear. Interesting, it's ironic how the Lord takes our greatest fears and, turn them, and turns them into our greatest joy, right? How he takes my greatest fear and turned it into the first kid in my family, into our greatest hope. God, God's plans are so much greater. And that's why, again, over and over, you guys, you guys are so beautiful what you've chosen to do. Oh, yeah, we, we chose this. <laughs> this is what we wanted. So, to be permanently attached to a kid who had huge needs, it's not his fault. Tony's scars are actually on his brain. There's nothing wrong with his arms or his legs or his mouth or anything like that. His hands stink this morning. I held his hand and it smells like a thousand belly buttons now. It's just disgusting. <laughs> Uh, Tony's uh, injury comes from a brain bleed early on in his life. The real damage is in a place where I cannot fix it. My wife cannot fix it. Doctors cannot fix where the scars are. We do what we can, but being a Horton is not going to fix this kid. But it has given him something else. It is not going to fix the scars on his brain, but it has given him something else. Hope, family, help, love, siblings, endless entertainment of watching his siblings get in trouble, because there is five other of them. And it's even given him ability. Our kids are now old enough that they're giving him ability that Janine and I are unable to. They're, they're reading his mood. They're reading what he wants to do. Tony on his own does not have that. You are not the greatest gift on earth to everybody around you. Get over yourself. Let that just resonate in your ears until you are in the grave. Get over yourself. Right? This is us. Tony is a great representation of us functioning together, keeping each other accountable, not to walk in our old lives. Like Shayla and Tony, if they, if they were to say, I want to go back, you can't. You're a part of this new family. That's what you're part of. You're part of this new family. Loving each other, helping each other, leading each other in a shared hope 
Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. You can land anywhere in the world and find believers who will hold you to the same standards, bring you to the same account, love you with the same level, even knowing how to speak to one another. You guys are part of a, a worldwide church, a church within Prince George, a church within BC, within Canada, your own denomination, right? You guys are a plant out of uh, the Alliance Church, I believe, right? Is that right? Somebody old nod? Good. Somebody old is nodding, so that's good. You guys are not alone, and it's kind of the hilarious thing is wherever you land in the world, you can find brothers and sisters that hold the same standards, and if they see you kind of messing around, they'll call you back into to life. There's a lie, though, that, uh, of things that get said to adopted kids, and it's bullcrap, ultra-lie, like awful, terrible, untrue stuff. You are not wanted. You are a mistake. Nobody loved you. That is baloney, awful stuff, garbage. The evidence is there. My kids were pursued. My kids were pursued. Some of your kids are just an accident. Huh? Uh, <laughs> some of your kids are because the power went out for a couple hours. Uh, so much more, right? There's even like cost to adoption. There's cost to it. Waited for, uh, pursued, fought for, waited for, paid for. So much more is God's love for you than my love for my kids. My love for my kids is small in comparison to the love the Father has for you as an individual. As an individual. Yeah. To have you be called a son and daughter, siblings to me and my family, a part of what God has done through his adoption plan, things that are unalike coming together. Timbers has always been a great representation of things that are unalike coming together, mostly because Chris Beckley is here, but uh, <laughs> anywhere he goes, he is unalike from those things. So it's like, you can walk into any church and it'd be like, oh, that guy's a little different, right? He's a little different. That's what he is. You don't get to unbecome family, right? There are tough, messy things that happen in families, really tough, messy things that happen in the family. See, the beauty of this family is that the father in this family can fix the scars that lie deep. Tony, bad news, I can't fix your brain scars. I'm going to have to keep carrying you around for the rest of my life. You're going to wreck my back eventually. That's our deal. <laughs> but the father that you have been, a family that you've been called into, this father heals the scars that are deep. And this father renews your mind. That's a promise in Scripture. He's going to renew your mind. A new mind. That's where my issues are. <laughs> That's what I keep finding out. My issues are between my ears. Where I'm left to help Tony deal with the symptoms of his cerebral palsy, we serve the God creator, the God who is able, God who knows, God who has the power, God who has been and will be in all time. And so I'm going to end with this kind of conclusion. Da -da -da. There it is. There are some questions here that you have to answer as an individual to yourself. Because if you're, if you're good at putting on the show, hey, great to see you this morning. Yeah, I really care for you. I love you, yada, yada, yada. And you go away and you're like, you don't think of that person as your brother and sister. If you don't think of them as your brother and sister, if you don't consider them as that, the issue is between your ears. What steps can you take to grow closer to your brothers and sisters in this body here? Do you see yourself with the same brokenness as those around you, or are you slightly elevated? Right? That's where I often find myself is slightly elevated. That person's problems. I'll help them in, in their problem because my problems are not as great as theirs. 
hmm, 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 something's not right with that. Something is not right with that mentality, but it, it sits in our hearts, doesn't it? And it comes out in our hands. It can look really good, but the motivation of it can be really kind of messed up. Can you imagine my kid saying, I'm not going to be associated with Tony. He's broken. Can you imagine what I would do to my kid? We would have words <laughs> with that child. If one of my twins or Lily or Keegan said, I don't, I'm not going to call Tony my brother or sister anymore. He's broken. <laughs> so much more is the father's correction for you. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Oh, no. Are you giving your time to the family? Are you only showing up at Thanksgiving like you do with your own family or your own in-laws? Are you giving your time to the family? Is the family more important? Is the family unit more important than the self-unit? Are you moving from apathy to engagement in your relationships with your new siblings? Ah, I gotta be related to... Well, we actually are related, so that's different. Uh, you know, are you, are you holding apathy? Or are you saying, man, I'm going to release the earthly rela- or relationships that I'm supposed to be, the expectations for me, and I'm going to engage in these new spiritual connections that I'm supposed to have. Do you resent who you're now tied to? I have been told you're not my real dad. And she was right. <laughs> I'm not her real dad. But I am the dad who is here now, and I am the dad who is her new identity. <coughs> and I'm the dad that is loving for you and caring for you. Now you're nodding, not crying, so that's good news. You're not my real brother and sister. You're right. I'm not. But I am your brother and sister in Christ. And that is greater because that puts us in a position that is greater of influence on one another. Do you love this new family? Are you keeping it at an arm's reach? If you're reading all this, and you're kind of reading these, and you're wondering to yourself, or you think to yourself, some of you guys are in the knowledge of what it means to be a Christ follower, but you're not actively giving it. You have not submitted yourself to Christ. The knowledge of God does not save The knowledge of God does not save. It's not a degree that you receive and you hold on to. It is an actionable item of laying down everything at the cross. It is an actionable item of faith in in Christ and in Christ alone for your hope of salvation in right relationship with the Lord. Having the knowledge is doing nothing for you. You are still in separation from the family. You're not adopted yet. And I can't encourage you guys enough if you feel that separation, if you feel that, that cognitive dissonance, like the distance there, to close that gap by changing your heart. Let me pray for you guys. I'd encourage you guys to pray with your eyes open and, and take a look at some of those questions that I pray for you. Lord God, we just give you thanks for, uh, yeah, for, for the camp today, for camping in general, just, Lord, the, the unmatched um, tool that camping is in, uh, in Canada and North America and around the world, that we, we get random kids that come to camp and we get to teach them truth, uh, teach them truth from your word. We get to teach them the truth of a, of a risen Jesus. We get to teach them the truth of where hope and life comes from. And so we just pray that as this church has been so giving, we just give you thanks for it. We give you thanks for the, the church in Prince George, their brothers and sisters as well, who have given so much, who have... Um, just looked after us and prayed for us and lifted us up to the one who solves all problems, who is in all things. 
Lord, we just pray for Timbers as they uh, leave here, that they continue to see ways not just to get involved at the camp or these other ministries around town, Lord, but uh, Lord, I pray that they would see the ways to engage their own body, their own community here. Lord, just remove kind of the, the strange perspectives that we hold that keep us from really engaging our brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus, it's uh, in all things that you work and in all things that you move for your glory and your glory alone. So I uh, just pray for them, especially for their, their family day uh, next weekend, that they would see this as a massive opportunity to engage, to, to give up their Sunday afternoon and to see it not as a giving up, but as an investment into those that they're going to share eternity with. Spending a bit of time here with the people that they're going to spend the rest of eternity with on the other side of things. So Lord, just be with this group and their leadership. Just uh, pray for their pastor as he travels back. Time with his family. Lord, in all these things, we just pray in the name of the, the one who is risen, who has defeated sin and death, who brings us hope and joy. Uh, in your name, Jesus. Amen. I'd encourage you guys again, if you are thinking, yeah, the band can come on up. They're all kind of doing the zombie walk thing right now up here. Uh, if you have some ways that you want to give, if you have a $100,000 check you want to write, if you have a couple hours on a Tuesday, uh, write your names down on there, connect with me and my family. And again, thank you for sitting through the most narcissistic sermon <laughs> you'll hear, hopefully, anytime soon. Thanks again.